One of my favorite things to do on a Saturday afternoon in the fall, used to be, um, going to South Bend, Indiana. If you don't know this about me, it's something you've got to know about Sean, and that is Sean is a huge Notre Dame fan. And I mean huge. Like nothing can ruin my mood like a Notre Dame loss to a team that we're supposed to beat. My wife is a Notre Dame fan, not because she likes Notre Dame, but because she knows that if they lose, I'm going to be in a bad mood. And so she cheers and roots for Notre Dame. Even as I'm sitting there watching and getting frustrated, she's like, oh, please let Notre Dame win today. Please let Notre Dame win today. My little guy knows. The little guy knows. He's learned. He doesn't care about football, but he cares that Notre Dame wins because he knows dad's going to be in a better mood when Notre Dame wins. It's, 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 it's almost like a mental illness. In fact, it, it could be. I'm sure there is some kind of... Uh, psychiatric disorder that goes along with cheering for your team so hard that it ruins your mood. Uh, anybody else have this psychiatric disorder? No? I mean, just you and me, Mike, that's it. And, and my buddy Pete and my buddy John and there's Brock. Okay, everybody. So there's a few of us, you know, maybe we'll form a support group of, of some kind uh, to help each other through this. But um, I love going over to Notre Dame. I love going to uh, South Bend. Uh, on a Saturday afternoon in the fall. I can't do it anymore because we have a Saturday night church service, but that's okay. Uh, I, I told the folks last night that me and Jesus, we made an agreement uh, that if I would do Saturday night services, Notre Dame would win another national championship. So, uh, no, we do not have this agreement, apparently. Um, but we did beat Michigan last night, which was awesome. Woohoo! Yay! Um, oh, yeah, you don't have to clap for that, but it makes me feel better. So, um, but like I said, I love going over to Notre Dame. It feels like home. When I get over to the campus and I'm walking around the campus and I get my, my steak sandwich from the Knights of Columbus and I'm walking through the bookstore spending too much money and then I get into the stadium. You walk into the stadium and the grass, fake grass, is so green and like the music's blaring. It's just awesome. I just love going to Notre Dame. And, and here's one of the interesting things about going to Notre Dame on a game day is that everywhere you go, the people greet you the same way. So like when you walk up to have your ticket scanned, uh, they'll say, welcome to Notre Dame. When you go up to the usher who's going to seat you at your seat, uh, they, they say the same thing. They say, welcome to Notre Dame. Everywhere you go, people say that. And they say, welcome to Notre Dame. It, and to me, it sounds like they're saying, welcome home, Sean. It's because this is where you belong. And yes, this is where I belong. But, uh, you know, there's something about that. And it, that. In fact, that's the inspiration for why whenever I greet people here at church, I say the same thing. Welcome to GFCC. Because I want you to know that that's where you are and that you are welcome here. And like when I go to Notre Dame, I hear those words, welcome to Notre Dame. It's like somebody says, welcome home, Sean. You know, there's something about those words, welcome home, that are so comforting and so great to hear. You know, if, if a soldier is off fighting overseas and they're gone six, nine, 12 months at a time, and they come home and they hear those words, welcome home. Could there be any sweeter words? Or if you're away on a business trip or on a mission trip, and you're gone six, seven, ten days, and then you get home and you hear those words, welcome home. It feels great to know that that's where you belong, to know that you're home. Or even if you go to work every day, and, and you're gone eight, ten, twelve hours a day, sixteen hours if you're working doubles, you know, you go to work, and you get home, and your spouse is there, your kids are there, your grandkids are there, and they welcome home. Welcome home, honey. It feels good to hear those words. Welcome home. And I want to talk a little bit about those words today and why they're so special and 
and when I want to hear those words next. And maybe you do too. We're going to finish up our series on the 23rd Psalm today by looking at verse 6. We've looked at the 23rd Psalm verse by verse over the last several weeks. We saw how the Lord is our shepherd. We talked about how he is our provider, he is our protector, he is our leader. And we, we, then we switched metaphors last week. We went from talking about how God is our shepherd to God is our gracious host. And we went from a, a sheep in a pasture to honored guests at a banquet. And what amazes me about this psalm is when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not be in want. Uh, when he says the Lord is my shepherd, it, it's an interesting way to describe God. Because in David's day, shepherds were the lowest on the rung of society. They were the, the low head on the totem pole. I mean, they, they was just nobody had a good use for shepherds at all. They were seen as uh, dirty. Uh, they were seen as uh, crooks. Um, nobody liked shepherds. And yet David uses that analogy to describe God. Almighty God, creator of everything, maker of you and me, creator of this whole universe, all-powerful, omnipresent, all-knowing, and and he compares God to a shepherd. Why? Why would he do that? Well, it's because shepherds have a special relationship with their sheep. They, They know their sheep, and their sheep know them. They care for their sheep, and they love their sheep, and they want to provide for every single need that they have. And that's our God. God is like a loving shepherd to his sheep. In fact, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In John 10, 14 and 15, Jesus once again said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus sacrificed his life for the sheep. He gave up his life for us. He went to a a Roman cross and he suffered and died on that cross for your sins and mine. So whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him, believing that he is the son of God, believing that he is the savior, the Messiah, turning away from your sins in repentance and saying, "I, I don't want to sin anymore, I want to live for Jesus. Confessing your faith publicly and getting baptized. God will wash away your sins. And though your sins be as scarlet, he will make them white as snow. You know, it's, it's amazing this God that we have, this loving shepherd that we have, that Jesus laid down his life, his perfect life. He never sinned in any way, and yet he suffered as though he did. He never sinned in any way, and yet suffered the death of a sinner. And God put all of our sins on Jesus And when Jesus died, our sins went with him. And now we have hope and freedom and joy. And we experience unconditional love every day of our lives because of our good shepherd. You know, I just uh, love this psalm. And we've been studying it now for several weeks. And it's given me a whole new appreciation of David's words. That David, the, the greatest human king of Israel, wrote these words towards the end of his life about how his life had been with his shepherd. And so I want to, uh, before we read the, the, psalm, uh, the verse from the psalm today, uh, I want to talk about a little bit about where we're going. So we're going to finish up this series today. And then next week we're starting a new series about how we've been blessed and the blessings that we've received from God. And so we're going to talk about that uh, for the next four weeks and how we use the blessings that we've received from God. 
And then in October, we're going to start a series on the one another statements of the New Testament. Love one another, forgive one another, bear with one another, encourage one another. And so we're going to go through that series in October, November. And then it's going to be Christmas time. What? That's right. We're going to go have a Christmas series. And then in the new year, starting January, we're going to start a series called This Is Us. And it's a series all about who we are as a church, why we do what we do, and what we believe. So that's called This Is Us. And then after that, well, the Farmer's Almanac said that we're going to die in a frozen tundra uh, over the next uh, three, four months. So it doesn't really matter what we do after that. None of us are going to be here anyway. Um, But while it is still warm outside, let's do Psalm 23, verse 6, shall we? Uh, Would you read this with me? Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. That's awesome. Well, I want to break this down into three pieces uh, and talk about three aspects of this verse real quick. Um, The first one is God's goodness. You know, God is good all the time, right? And all the time, God is good. Boy, you don't sound like you meant that this morning. God is good all the time. And all the time, he is good all the time. And never, God never stops being good, and He never stops doing good things. God is always, always good, even when we don't comprehend it, even when we don't understand it, even when things don't go our way, or even when people do bad things, or people do evil things toward us, it can be hard to remember that God is good. But God is not like human beings, nothing like them. He created human beings, and we have turned away, and we have turned against Him. And we sin against God and sin against people. But God never sins. And he never does the wrong thing. He never does bad things. He, he never does evil things. God is not evil, nor can he be tempted to do evil. God is good all the time. God is always, always good. There's an interesting interaction between Jesus and a teacher of the law in Luke chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. And this is what happened. It says, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him a question, said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. And there's two things you need to know about this little interaction. The first is that this religious leader recognized that Jesus was God. He was God in human flesh, and he is still God to this day. That Jesus is God. And he recognized that in Jesus. Because nobody could do the things that Jesus did unless he was God. As far as forgiving sins and healing people and and walking on water. People just don't do that kind of thing. But Jesus did because Jesus is God. Secondly, the other thing you need to know is when Jesus says only God is truly good. That's what they believed in the first century. We throw that word around like there's no tomorrow. We use the word good to describe everything from movies. Oh, that was a really good movie. You should see that. TV shows, man, that's a really good show. I love that show. Football games, man, that was a good game last night when Notre Dame beat Michigan. It really was. It really was. Man, that's a good, oh, I, I, that's a good restaurant. I love going there to, after church and, and eating. That's a really good restaurant. Or that was a really good meal, honey. That was really good. You know, you're, you're, you're a, uh, a good dad. You're a good mom. You know, you're a good son. You're a good boy. Who's a good boy? Good boy. Right? Notice nobody ever says you're a good cat because there's no such thing. <laughs> you just don't say that. But a dog, good boy. Yeah. But we throw the word good around all the time. We describe everything uh, that we enjoy as good. But what did Jesus say? Only God is truly good because God is good all the time. 
And so David says, he talks about God's goodness first. And then he talks about God's love and mercy. Now, the New International Version says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. The King James Version, how many of you grew up with the King James Version? And what does that say? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So what is it? What gives? Is it love or is it mercy? Well, it's actually both. The Old Testament was written in ancient Hebrew. And the ancient Hebrew word for love or mercy is this word chesed. H-E-S-E-D, chesed. And it's a word that describes the covenantal love that God has with his people. It's a covenant kind of love that God has with his people. And, and there's a difference between a covenant and just a, a regular old relationship. A covenant is binding. And, and one party makes a covenant with another. And God made a covenant with his people of Israel. And then Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. That Jesus made a new covenant. God made a new covenant with people when he shed his blood on the cross. And that blood, uh, covenants had to be signed, sealed with blood. And Jesus sealed the covenant between God and humanity with his blood. And so now we have this covenantal kind of love, this covenantal kind of relationship of love and mercy with God. You know, mercy is not getting what you really deserve. And we deserve death and hell. That's what we deserve because of our sinfulness. And you know your sins, I know my sins. We all know our own sins. And when you think about it, we really do just deserve death and hell. But grace is getting what you don't deserve. And what we don't deserve is heaven, and that's the promise that we are made. That is the promise that we are given by God. That because of his grace, we get heaven. And because of his mercy, we don't have to go to hell. How awesome is that? I mean, that's why we come together on a, on a Sunday morning or on a Saturday night. That's why we get together and worship. To honor the God who loves us so much that he gave his one and only son so that we can live forever with him. How great is that? That's why we gather. It's more than just something to do on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning. It's more than just to sing a few songs or to, to hear an inspiring message or to uh, take our kids, you know, get away from our kids for an hour. It's, it's more than that. It's to honor the God of the universe who loves us so intensely that he gave his one and only son. You know, it's interesting what, how David puts this. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That, that word, follow me, when he's talking about when he follows me, it means to pursue. It means to chase. That God is chasing us with his love, mercy, and goodness. That's pretty neat. That God is chasing after you. God is chasing you. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But before we do, I want to talk about this last aspect of, of verse 6, and that is God's house. I want to talk about God's house. Uh, you know, um, one of the things that I, I think about um, with God's house is that, um, you know, he's created this place for us. Uh, in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said this. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. That God has created a place for us, and Jesus is preparing a place for us that we're going to live in forever. What did David say in Psalm 23? He says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, forever is a long time. I don't know if you know that or not. But forever is a long time. You know, it's longer than the Bears have waited to win a, another Super Bowl. 
It's a long time. Forever is a very, very long time. Um, and we're going to look around the room. I mean, get to know these faces, because you know what? You're going to spend forever with these people. And some of you are thinking, really? Yeah, really. You know, we're going to live in the same place forever and ever and ever. We're going to live in the house of God forever and ever. And some of you are thinking, you know what? You can live on the third floor, and I'll live on the 23rd floor, just in case. But God, Jesus said, I've gone, I'm going to prepare a place for you because I want to spend forever with you. I want to live forever with you. And we're going to live forever with Jesus. That's the hope that we have. That all of the struggles and all of the sins and all of the heartaches and all of the heartbreaks of this life are going to be no more. That we're going to spend forever with Jesus. The Bible says that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That everything that breaks your heart, Jesus is going to heal. Every ache and pain that you have, when you get up in the morning, you sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies. Every ache and pain that you have will be healed. If you have a mental disorder, like I do, not the Notre Dame one, but a different one. But, it, you know, if you have <laughs> mental illness, will be healed. Physical illness will be healed. Cancer will be healed. Everything will be healed. Because of God's amazing grace. When we get home, everything will be healed. And every tear will be wiped away. And we're going to spend forever with Jesus. I look forward to that day. I like what pastor and author Warren Wiersbe said. And he said this, he goes, uh, Under the old covenant, the sheep died for the shepherd. But under the new covenant, the shepherd died for the sheep. And we shall meet our shepherd in heaven. We sing the song I can only imagine from time to time here at GFCC. And when you think about the words, of, I, I can only imagine, you know, it's like, what am I going to do when I see Jesus for the first time? What I, am I going to fall to my knees in, in honor and praise? Am I going to dance just to be home in his presence? I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know that I'm going to have some kind of reaction when I see my Savior face to face. It'll be a joyful one, a joyous occasion. You know, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul said this. He says, uh, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus is coming back, and he's going to take us to be where our home really is. That he says, our citizenship is in heaven. In other words, we don't belong here. We are just passing through. Our true home, our true citizenship is in heaven. And that's where we belong. And maybe you feel that tension in your life. I feel that tension in my life. That I'm here, but my heart longs to be somewhere else. And that is in my true home with my Savior. Maybe you feel that tension too. Well, there's two things I want to tell you. Two truths I want to share with you this morning that you need to know from Psalm 23, verse 6. And the first is, is that you are being chased by God. You are being chased by by God. Surely your goodness and love will follow me, will chase me all the days of my life. You are being chased by God. His goodness, his love, and his mercy are chasing after you. And you may say, well, I don't even believe in God. I'm telling you right now, he's chasing you. Your presence here this morning is evidence that God is chasing you. And he is coming after you because he wants to spend forever with you. He made you and he paid for you through the death of his son. And now he wants to spend forever with you. And so I want to encourage you, if you're here for the first time today, if you're here for maybe the second or third time, and, and you're like, man, I don't know if I buy all this God stuff, I don't know if I buy all this Jesus stuff, keep coming. 
Keep coming. Ask your questions. Raise your doubts and say, you know, I don't know. I don't know. This is a safe place to ask those questions. It's a safe place to say, I don't know. Because there's a lot of things that I don't know. But I know this. I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus died for me. I know that Jesus loves you too. Because he died for you. And he wants to spend forever with you. And you are being chased by God's goodness, love, and mercy. And he is never going to give up on you. Until you take your last breath, he is never going to give up on you. He is never going to stop chasing you. So if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, know that no matter what, God is going to keep chasing after you. He is going to keep looking for you and keep searching for you. And he is going to keep loving you and inviting you and welcoming you into his family. He wants you to be a part of his family. And if you are a follower of Jesus, know that God's not done chasing you. He is going to keep chasing you. You know, I I talk about uh, when I do couples counseling kind of thing, when I do that sort of thing, I'll talk with couples and and I say one of the problems we run into is the longer that we're married or the longer that we're together, we stop wooing each other. We stop chasing each other. You know, it's like, ah, I got that. You know, I got him, I got her, I'm done, right? I'm I'm happy, I'm content. And and then we wonder why we hit rocky patches. It's because we stop chasing each other. God will never stop chasing you. Even if he's got you. He's not going to stop chasing you. Just know that you are being chased by God. And the second thing you need to know today, the second thing you need to know about this verse is that you are not home yet. You are not home yet. You know, one of my favorite shows used to be an extreme makeover home edition. And, and, and uh, they would, you know, if you're all familiar with the show, they would go in and they would uh, build a brand new house. They would tear down an old house, build a brand new mansion, you know, that people can't afford the taxes on. Never mind. But... Uh, so they would tear down the old house, build a brand new house, and, and they do it in a week, right? I mean, you thought the, the lobby project was done in a week, which it was, which was amazing. But I mean, imagine building a whole house the size of this church building in a week. And that's what they would do. It was crazy. But they would always do the same thing. They'd bring the family back, and they'd have the bus in front of the house, right? Move that bus, move that bus, right? And they'd move the bus, and the family would freak out, ah, and they'd lose their minds and everything. Uh, and then they would go inside. And at some point, Ty... Uh, Pennington, the, the host of the show, uh, would take his ADHD medication and uh, stop being so goofy, and then he would just go up to him and say, welcome home, Smith family. Welcome home. Right? And I imagine that when I get home, to my real home, the home where I am a citizen of already, and when you get home, when you get home, not to your house today, or not home from a vacation, or not home from a business trip. No, when you get home to heaven, that Jesus is going to be there to greet you. Say, welcome home. This is what you've been waiting for. This is what I've been preparing for you. This is the place that I made for you. You belong here. This world will never feel like home. If you're a follower of Jesus, this world will never feel like home. That there's something better out there waiting for us. There's something better out there where we truly belong. That is heaven. And until we get there, know that God is chasing you and that you're not home yet. And he's going to chase you all the way home. He's going to chase you all the way home. He's calling you from afar. And if, like I said, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, Jesus is calling you. And, and the choice is up to you. He's not going to make the choice for you. And your parents can't make the choice for you. Your brothers and sisters can't make the choice for you. Your spouse can't make the choice for you. You've got to make the choice for yourself. Will you follow Jesus Christ? 
or will you reject Jesus Christ? The choice is yours. And if you choose to follow him in this life, you will follow him all the way home. But if you choose to reject him in this life, well, there's only one other option. And that's an eternity separated from God and hell. The choice is up to you. You're going to spend forever in one of two places. You're going to live forever in one of two places. And Jesus is calling to you today, saying, follow me and I will get you home. And when we do that, when we choose to follow Jesus, when we hear that call, we hear him calling from afar. I remember growing up uh, in Crown Point and, and uh, my dad has one of those big bellowing voices and we'd be out running around to all hours of the night. You know, it's starting to get dark outside. We're riding our bikes up and down the streets. We're over at a friend's house. And I would hear my dad yelling out for me, Sean! <laughs> Sean! I knew it was time to come home. And Jesus is calling out from heaven today, saying, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to find your true home with me. It's time for you to spend forever with me. And so he's calling you. And he wants to spend forever with you. And when we hear that call, and when we pass from this life into the next, which we all will all do someday, when we pass from this next life to the next, we're going to hear him say, Welcome home.